Here it all do. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. The San Francisco 49ers are headed back to the Super Bowl. It's late night here at Levi Stadium, 11.33 on my watch as we're beginning to record this post-game podcast. The locker room celebration has worn down. The writing is finished. Our editors are looking at it now. There's still confetti on the field. 37-20 over the Green Bay Packers, guys. A resounding victory. In my opinion, I thought they dominated them even more thoroughly than the, the first matchup because you have to look at the first half, and then the 49ers eased off. They Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times, and they won the NFC Championship yeah. in a blowout. That, that that's what what really matters here. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I I mean, you say eased off. I I think I think the second half. I think Aaron Rodgers kind of found his groove a little bit. I think that defensive front was a little bit tired, uh, and he was able to kind of hook up with his you know his number one receiver. And it was it was very very obvious that the game plan was to, to get the ball in. Devontae Adams yeah. hands and make him let your playmaker make plays and that was the key I mean that that had to be the game plan coming out I think you know Aaron got a little hot I mean there was a lot of plays down the field um I think maybe the 49ers let, let off maybe a little bit but I think they were 27 to nothing yeah, yeah and it's you know, how do you not yeah and yeah but it was a great game to watch I mean if you just watched you know this offensive line I mean I know you guys are into the to the trenches but Watching this offensive line block for Raheem was, was was just amazing to me, the way they dominate the line of scrimmage. So let's yeah, just go uh, over that. 42-285. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the rushes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just, just the numbers. I mean, eight, 6.8 a carry for the whole game against stacked boxes. Well, and that third and eight play on on the second drive was, was the key play of the game, really. I mean, it, it ended up being the longest play for the 49ers. And uh, you think, okay, third and eight, this is the team that's going to – Throw the ball here. That, that's mm-hmm. what you do on third and eight. You throw the ball, and uh, the 49ers saw something in uh, in the Packers. They saw that those two edge rushers, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, like to press up the field and get really aggressive on third down, and they knew that that would be a play that they'd be able to use at some uh, point in this game. It's something that they practiced throughout the week, and right there on, on that second drive, uh, I think it was uh, Mike Person pulled around from right guard, put the uh, uh, the Packers defensive tackle on his back. They it kicked a, it the was, shit out of him, according it, to Mike McGinty. Yeah. It was a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. <laughs> a trap. And who runs a trap? You know, in that time of a game. I mean, right. I, I think it's again Kyle Shanahan. I think it's 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 a it's a great play call to run a trap. You know, on, at, on third and on eight. Third and eight. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it bust out like that. And so. that's all that uh, Raheem needed. Uh, and and the, the the cool thing about that play is that there were two defensive backs that had a great angle on Raheem Mostert. At the at the start of that play, you think, okay, maybe Raheem gets 15 yards, gets knocked yeah, out of bounds. That's a great point. Both of those guys took terrible, terrible awful, angles. But awful. that's been happening all season long with Raheem Mostert. People just don't uh, – defenders don't understand mm-hmm. his speed. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. You would think that uh, after all the film study, they would. Yeah. But uh, two terrible angles, he's in the end zone. That's it. That's all the 49ers really needed in this game. And, you know, when, when I when I watch Raheem run, it doesn't look like he's just this – That's just boom, it. That's it. You know, but he's not it, struggling. And it, and, it, and, it, and it feels like – I mean, he's at full speed. When, whatever, two, three steps, he's at full speed. And I think defensive backs and linebackers, you, like you said, they, they take the wrong angle because it doesn't look like 
the dude is moving fast, but he's moving fast. It, it's, well, a, it's a very smooth stride too. Yeah, he's not. It doesn't look like he's exerting very much, and he's and he's going like a bullet. It's yeah. a perfect example of how talent meshes with Kyle Shanahan's system. So what I think happened on that play is you mentioned it partly, Matt. The defense was so geared up for the pass pass rush. Right, it was third and long, third and eight. So you saw him get past all those initial rushers easily. They were like wounded ducks out there ready for the 49ers pull blockers to pick off. It's really easy to block those guys when you're run blocking and they're pass blocking. They were not expecting that. But I think the same thing applied to the DBs as well, a similar principle. Because they were dropping back into zone pass coverage, as soon as Raheem Mostert got ahead of steam running, they had to change from a backpedal to trying to chase this guy down. So they're trying to go from zero to 60 while Raheem Mostert's already running 100, Yeah. right? And that's why he made him look so foolish. And I think that's a great example of Kyle Shanahan taking this guy with insane natural speed, but also making the defense look like they're in quicksand with the play call. Those two things work in harmony. You get that touchdown, and you get 42 carries for 285 yards. This is just full cohesion between talent and scheme. Raheem's the only skill player on this team who – was uh, was there before Shanahan arrived. He's the only skilled player that uh, Shanahan kept. And, you know, that, that says something because Shanahan wanted his own guys, and, and Raheem had the speed and the skills, to, as David noted, to slip very nicely into this offense. And Raheem is a product of Chip Kelly. Chip, Came Chip over Kelly from found Florida, him, yeah. So there he Purdue is. Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah, and his journey in the NFL has just yeah, been amazing. That's, the Eagles were the first of, of seven teams. Yeah. The 49ers were the seventh team that he was on. And, yeah. and he was really kind of second-guessing whether he wanted to be in the NFL anymore. He thought he was going to make that Eagle squad in, what was it, 2014, I think it was, was sure of it, and then got cut. And, you know, that was demoralizing to him. Mm-hmm. And he had to kind of figure out early on whether he wanted to do that. And I think a lot of 49ers fans today are, are quite glad that he stuck with it, I think. Did he break Eric Dickerson's record? Came or close. Came, he didn't break it. Didn't I don't, I don't think it. he So he's the it. second who's ever who, from what, 284 yards, you said, or something like that? He, All he, purpose yards? No, that was the team yardage was 285. Team yard. okay, Raheem okay. had 29 carries for, for 220. 220. 220. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And, and Dickerson had more than that in 1986, which is six years before Raheem Mosher was even born. <laughs> so it was 42 rushes and Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo, I mean, even more astounding than the eight passes is the fact that he's not even thrown 20 passes in the postseason to get to the 49ers yes. of the Super Bowl. 11 against Minnesota, right, plus eight. So 19 passes to get the 49ers to Miami. Yeah, and if, if, if you can't stop it, you know, keep running it. I mean, if that if that's it. I mean, you two two teams in the same division, you just pound at them, and, and, and that's old-school football. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be it. the black and blue division, too. Yeah, just pound them, pound them. And, you know, maybe some of these defensive linemen aren't made to stop the run. Yeah, and, you know, every, everyone's focused on pass rush. Yeah, and, and there you the go. third and eight play. We just That was the definition yeah. of that, right? Focused you got, on pass You got pass two run. guys coming off the edge. Guess what? You run a trap play, right? A boom, you know. So, now, do, do we think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have just as quiet a game in the Super Bowl, though? I don't think so, but it's going to be pa- it's The pause, be interesting. though, we both just kind of like, Here, oh. It, nobody's going to bill it as Garoppolo versus Mahomes because everybody's going to say, oh, look at this game manager only throwing eight times a game. Little do they remember that in the NFL rankings this year, yards per attempt, it was Garoppolo number one, Mahomes number two. So Garoppolo's fully capable yes. of going toe-to-toe in an aerial battle. But I will say this. We knew that Green Bay was bad against the run entering this game. They're number 23 in DVOA against the run. 
guess what? Kansas City's even worse. They're number 29 against the run, whereas their pass defense is number six. Well, so I mean, this is what you need against Kansas City, right? Yeah. How do you defeat Kansas City? Control you got to keep, get get controlled, got to possess the ball, and you got to keep Mahomes off the football field. So, I mean, this could be good practice for the Super Bowl. I mean, some long possessions, uh, hold the football, and not let them on the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh, the Chiefs scored, what, 51 points in their first game? Uh, I forget what it was today. High 30s. Yeah, they scored like 40 unanswered, right, in yeah. their first game against so, Houston. Uh, so. it, it's hard to think that the 49ers are going to be able to run away with it like they did. My, my point being, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is, is going to be called upon yes. in, in these playoffs uh, yes. uh, at, at some point. They're going to have to do everything, and this is why I think uh, the 49ers have set themselves up so well. I, I asked Kyle Juszczyk, hey, was Kyle Shanahan holding back passing plays on purpose? Or, you know, Because this is obviously going to benefit you guys because you've only put 19 on film in the playoffs. And Kyle said, um, I honestly don't know if we were trying not to put stuff on film or if it was just us being so successful running the ball that there was no reason to get away from it. But it has the same benefit. Defenses don't get to see what we have in store in the past game. So now, you know, we talked about this being like Game 7 of the World Series. You could use your entire pitching staff in the Super Bowl. I think you pull out all the stops, Kyle Juszczyk said. There's no reason to save anything at this point. So I think we get to see everything. And, yeah, you know? they can use against the Chiefs some of the things that they practiced against the Packers that they just kind of held in reserve. I mean, they'll be able to to kind of use both in this game. And uh, I thought it was interesting that Kyle Shanahan said that they would practice this week as if the game were on Sunday. And uh, you've played in Super Bowls. I mean, is that is that a smart tack to to sort of get all of your hard work out of the way? Because once you get to the destination, you've got so many distractions, it's hard to kind of buckle down. At well, that you point. know, I heard a report that it, there was going to be practice tomorrow. Um, Ooh, I, I don't know, know how uh, to be a slow practice tomorrow because I don't I mean, think there'll be practice. Yeah. Tomorrow. So, I mean, I, I can Wednesday. remember. Yeah. When we when we played in we played in Miami and I think it was a two week and we we left very early. We left on a Wednesday, and we put all the installments in on the road, and we did everything there. So you just you're there, you're practicing, you're with your guys. It's kind of a camp environment yeah. again in a hotel room. You're 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 football all day, and you can hang out. You know, do the different things, activities during the night. So you know, if it, you if you want to do it now, there may be some distractions once you get there. You get all the hard stuff done now. Maybe get on get to Miami, and then you start dealing with all the other stuff. And lock yourself down, you know, a couple of days before the football game. But, you know, we got there early. You know, we put yeah. everything in in Miami. We did everything there. So it'd be interesting to see. Florida has been their their home away from home this year. They they began the season in, in Tampa. They spent uh, the middle part of the season for a week in, in Bradenton, and now they're going back to to South Florida. So familiar uh, state to the uh, the Forty ers and Raheem Mostert. We should point out. It's from uh, New Smyrna Beach, which isn't close to Miami, but uh, his home state nonetheless. They've so. also won two Super Bowls in that stadium. Joe Montana to John Taylor. Okay. Right? That yeah. was the Bengals Super Bowl to close the 88 season in 1989. And then their most recent one, 1994, uh, or January 1995. That was the Chargers. Dennis was on that team. And uh, guess what? Richard Sherman came out and said, we want to wear the all-white throwback uniforms for that game. It won't be the same ones you guys wore in Miami because you were the designated home team Oh, Dennis cannot escape white uniforms. But Sherman, Garoppolo, I checked with Garoppolo. He really wants them. They're going to need to get NFL approval. They're not sure if they're going to get it. But this is a huge deal to the team and the fans, and they're all talking about it. And they want to honor you guys 
The problem is they're not the designated home team, so they yeah, can't wear the reds. Yeah, we wore we wore red in that game, and you know people love the white jerseys, and and you know it's it, it looks good, and it you know it kind of you know I reminisce a little bit about wearing it, and and you know but it, uniforms don't matter. I mean, you got to go out, you got a tough game, you got to figure out how to how to you know deal with uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and and this offense. But you know it's kind of cool they want to wear those jerseys because we wore them in ninety four ninety five, but. Jerseys aren't going to matter in this game. I mean, there's a whole lot of things you got to worry about, and and it's interesting. Why does the NFL need to approve this? I mean, they have a one, one per season throwback policy. You could wear a throwbacks once, and that's it. So the 49ers it was actually Richard Sherman's idea in Week 17. He's, you know, who would have thought? Uh, to, this is the six year anniversary of the pick and or the tip in Seattle. And Richard Sherman is here now giving lectures on 49ers history, talking about how important yeah. it is to tie this back to Mike Shanahan and the 94 49ers and well, the Super how, Bowl. How suiting was so. it that he catches that, that <laughs> yes, interception? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Richard Sherman, you know, he runs back this ball. He chases his ball down. I mean, when he, got beat, when he got beat, you know, a couple plays before, he had a little limp to him, right? On that play, there was no limp. <laughs> he went and got yeah, that, he, that he ball. He really mazed that ball. He yeah. ran that thing down. And he got it, and he falls, and he falls out. And it's like Richard Sherman. Think about it. You know, like you said, the the tip in Seattle, and here he is now. Yeah. You know, the last defensive series, kind of closing out the game. We, it's Richard Sherman. And he's we like should. the spokesman for franchise history. 49ers franchise history is too we, good. We, we should write. note, he had the, he had the <laughs> bat, uh, obviously, against the 49ers in that 2013 championship game. The next year, they played – the uh, the Packers, the Seahawks mm-hmm. played the Packers in the yeah. NFC Championship. He had a, he got a interception on that. Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was a uh, was a rookie was that a rookie, year. Yeah. He intercepted them in the end zone, the same end zone that he had the uh, the batted pass in. So Richard Sherman comes up big in the playoffs, really big in championship games. You know what else he did that game? He played it with one arm. That's right. Uh, he tore his UCL after the pick, and he ended up, you watched a film of that game, he's holding his one arm like, yeah, invisible cast for yeah. overtime. I think and for it was friendly downs. fire. He said it was Cam Chancellor who actually did yeah. it. So, but he was playing like a one arm bandit the rest of the game. All of his press coverage was one arm, and he said that Rodgers did not pick on him in that game, and he he was astounded that yeah. they didn't uh, go after him. They didn't go after him much today. And yeah, Rodgers, he doesn't seem like. He- when he plays against Richard Sherman, he doesn't really kind of attack him. I mean, I don't know if, if he's just he's just playing the averages, playing the numbers, but he you don't see. I was surprised when he had that one throw out that, there. That's why at the beginning of the game you saw Richard Sherman on the right side of the defense. He never plays on the right side, but uh, two of the first three plays, there he was on the right side. He was against Devontae Adams. He did a little bit more on the second series and then didn't do it much at uh, much the rest of the game. The The idea was just to confuse them. The why, first, why is Richard Sherman on the right side? He's always on the left yeah, side. Just kind of threw a threw a bit of doubt into Aaron Rodgers' mind. And Aaron Rodgers' mind was filled with a yeah, lot of doubt in right. the first half. He had sixty-five so. yards in the first half. Um, yeah. you know. It was a repeat of November for a half, maybe for a half plus a little bit of the third quarter, and then obviously they started to get exposed a little bit there's different theories as to why but all that mattered was that they got up 27 nothing that was insurmountable they only scored 20 so once they got 27 it it, it was over but that first half right wasn't that deja vu that was, that was what it I saw. Looked, yeah, it looked exactly like it. Yeah. yeah, in the first game, was it twenty-four nothing at halftime? Yeah, it sounds about right. Twenty-three. Like twenty-three. Yeah. So the four points was D Ford in my head. That the D Ford boost gives you a little right, bit more. Right. Right. There you go. Right. 
And, you know, I mean, it, it looked like the exact same football game. And, and, and I was thinking, man, talk about having a team's number. I right. mean, I, I'm sure the game plan was not the same. I'm sure the attitude could not have been the same. And, and, you know, you had to do things differently. And you saw some quick passes. Yeah. You saw some screens there. You know, you saw a little bit of running. But it was the same result. And, I mean, and Richard Sherman jumped all over that at the end of the game. He was saying that, oh, the Packers were saying that uh, they weren't quite ready for us the first game. What do you mean you're not quite ready? This is the NFL. And didn't he have some kind of very Richard Sherman-esque barb saying something along the lines of you guys weren't ever ready for us, right? Right, the exactly. The first time or the second time. Yeah. It was a classic Richard Sherman Well, you can tell in, in retrospect that this is one of the things that motivated him for this game is that uh, Aaron Rodgers' take was that, okay, we weren't quite focused for the first meeting. We're, we're back on our game now, and, and Richard Sherman took that as a bit of an insult. doesn't take him much to – to kind of to turn a slight into uh, a, a mountain of He a, had plenty to go with in this game from the outside, you know, with Mike Florio especially. <laughs> well, it, it, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk threatened to sue Richard Sherman after a recent Twitter altercation that they had or right. during that. And then this time he started picking the 49ers to, to lose, and he started using some pretty choice – language that I won't even get into. Which is a real mistake if yeah. you really want the 49ers to lose <laughs> because uh, Richard Sherman just devours that kind of stuff. And yeah. Sherman had been telling me all week that he was going to light into him, but he was in a little bit more of a mellow mood after the game today because I think they won comfortably. Yeah. So he'll probably save some of that stuff for, for the Super oh, he'll, Bowl. He'll find, he'll find some Patrick Mahomes stuff about how many yards Patrick Mahomes is going to get. He'll he'll find his motivation and I think he'll find it fairly easily too. Yeah, and I think the bottom line is it just a Packers 49ers just a bad matchup for the Packers yeah yeah well another thing that was bad was the Packers were terrible uh in between the numbers in pass defense so they were bad run defense we saw that but in between the numbers is where Jimmy Garoppolo feasted in November and although he only finished with 77 passing yards today most of those came early on huge plays in between the numbers remember Debo Samuel almost broke that uh, one for yeah. a touchdown uh, it, it was that was a very vulnerable part of this defense again. The Niners exposed it again, just enough to set up the run game for the rest of the game. You, you know, a few passes and it was open to on the ground for the rest of the way. Yeah, and 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 I love the way Kyle Shanahan gets the ball in Debo's hands. Yeah, I mean he he feels like and I, you know and, and we we can talk about this more. I don't know if he's kind of lost trust in Matthew Breida, but it it seems like when it comes down to if if, if the if the ball's not being handed off to Raheem, he's trying to find a way to get the ball handed off to uh, to Debo. So you know, but he, you know, he, great job running tonight. I mean, those in the rounds, the things that he can do once he gets into space is unbelievable. Yeah, we, we should note that Tevin Coleman left the game uh, in the, in the second quarter with a, with a shoulder injury that that seemed pretty serious. Uh, and at that point, uh, Coleman and Mostert had been alternating series. To Dennis's point. At one point, uh, Brita came in. He had one carry. That was it for the rest of the game. For, for, from that point on, it was the Raheem Mostert show. I mean, there, there's certain some, certainly some hot hand uh, reasoning for that. But, uh, but you're right. Uh, he seems more reluctant to give the ball to Matt Brita these days. But if Coleman's not there in the Super Bowl... It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be Brita and, and Raheem Mostert, yeah, and maybe, maybe a little Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Wilson yeah. yeah, as well. But uh, they're gonna have to rely on uh, Matt Brita more than they have this past month, month and a half. So let's zoom out from a football perspective. We saw the 49ers beat the Packers badly again. I don't think that's all that surprising since it had already happened in November. But we also just saw the 49ers win 
an NFC championship. They're headed to the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the scene after the game. Matt and I were in the locker room, which was obviously a wild yeah. scene for the 49ers. It was nothing like the post-Seattle locker room. When they won the NFC West, there was still a very business-like feel. We still got one more to go, or more than one more to go. They still had the NFC title in their sights and then the Super Bowl. Today, yeah, they did remind us that we still want to win the Super Bowl, but they do realize they have some time now and they wanted to really relish this. So the music was blasting. Guys uh, were putting on the celebratory T-shirts. And what I thought was pretty poignant and indicative of what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been building is that former players came back, guys that they cut, Pierre Garçon, for example, who was – on the ground floor of this building process in 2017, he was back in that locker room celebrating with the guys. And, you know, this is a very cruel, cold, calculating business kind of uh, operation often the NFL is. So it, it, I don't think that that's an everyday occurrence that a guy who, you know, got some money from the team, obviously, with the contract, but then got cut and, and headed into retirement, essentially, as is the case with Pierre Garcon. For him to be back in that yeah. locker room today, I thought that was indicative of what the 49ers had been building here over it, the long it was term. all sorts of former 49ers, too. It was guys who played with the team a long time ago. I mean, we saw Jerry Rice and, and Steve Young were out there. Uh, but you're right, and Pierre Garçon was in, in, in the locker room, Ahmad Brooks was there. It was just a whole array of guys out there. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big deal that, uh, that Kyle Shanahan has wanted to sort of embrace the past of this team. He certainly was part of that past a little bit with his father being here. But uh, it, it's certainly different than some uh, former coaches have done here. A lot of uh, veterans have felt shut out at, at various points uh, since Bill Walsh and that crew have left. But... Uh, Dennis, you can probably speak to that. And, and, and who else did you kind of see around today? Well, I mean, for, first of all, I mean, this this organization is kind of based on Mr. DeBrawla always spoke about family, and and that's and, and, and that's what they've kind of lived on is, is about family. And and you look at a Kyle Shanahan who was part of this organization when 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 Mr. DeBarlo was the president or he was the owner of this, and and it's all about family, and he understands that. John Lynch comes from that Bill Walsh tree, and and he was always about the family. So when they put this team together and they talk about brick by brick, uh, and 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 the culture of this 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 team, that's what they were looking for. I mean, they're looking for guys who want to play for each other, guys who love each other, guys who can work with each other. So they brought in all these different guys. I saw Alex Boone on the sideline, and he's lost about. 50 pounds yeah, now yeah. he's a, he looks like more like a receiver now but you know brian young was back here today yeah, you know, junior brian was here today ricky waters we saw him blowing the horn today so they've always kind of invited us back and they want us to be back part of this not that we can teach these young kids anything they just want us back just just letting you know it's it's about the family you know carmen policy was here today so you know that's what they've been preaching and i think kyle shanahan and john lynch that's what they kind of want they want that family kind of vibe here Cool moment that you'll appreciate because you were telling us the story the other day of rolling into the NFC title game up 101 in 1995 against the Cowboys, and you were in Dana Stubblefield's car with Bryant Young. The Tupac was playing, and as soon as you made that you know, curve to where you saw a candlestick right there on the water, Dana turned down the music and you guys got focused. So right. that, that I thought of that when I saw Bryant Young in the tunnel today. And Brian Young walked up to Jimmy Garoppolo, and they had never met before. And he goes up and shakes his hand and says, Hey, Jimmy, nice to meet you. I'm Bryant Young. And then what I thought was a really cool response, Jimmy Garoppolo shakes his hand and says, 
nice to meet you. I'm Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> As if like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I think we, we know who you are, Jimmy. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're the man of the I'm, hour I'm here. Jimmy. Even if yeah. you didn't have a huge game. Everybody uh-huh. knows who Jimmy G is, but it was very yeah. respectful exchange between past and present 49ers. Yeah, and he, you know, he, he was the same way. You know, John Brody during alumni weekend, the great John Brody, Went on the went on the field, the practice field with him, and he walked up to to shake his hand. And Jimmy Garoppolo turned around, and I and I introduced him. I said, "This is you know Mr. John Brody here," and he was like, "Hello, I'm Jimmy Garoppolo." And it was very respectful, very respectful. It, it, we should point out that uh, you know he only took uh, eight throws in this game, and no. it was almost uh, a joke. I mean, they they brought him into the uh, the post game press conference, and people asked him questions, you know, very facetious questions about, "Can you take us through your eight? passes today and Jimmy Garoppolo played along I mean and and that's who he is I mean he doesn't have a huge ego he doesn't need to throw the ball 25 times um he was uh, more than happy to be a game manager and someone who was feeding Raheem Mostert the ball you said it game manager the two bad words. You the worst words it. in English this ga- language. This game and the game before, that's exactly what he was. Uh, no, he's he was. probably better at it this game because he didn't throw a pick yeah. in this one. Yeah, yeah it, it's hard to say somebody managed a game when, when they turned it over. But, no, I, I agree with you. That And that's all the 49ers needed. And I do think, you know, Kyle Juszczyk wasn't sure, but I do think that there was an element of – uh, let's hold back right now because we don't have to show everything to win. In fact, I think the 49ers would have not passed at all in the second half had the Packers not closed in to within 14 points. Remember they faced that third down where it got a little dicey, especially if they don't convert that, and Kyle Shanahan finally relented and said, fine, we'll throw it to George Kittle well, for his first target of the game. They were facing 11-man boxes there yes. in the second half. So I it mean, made sense. Not even Raheem Mosher was able to find uh, running room there at some points in the second half, so they had to do that at some point. Yeah, and, and, the, and the Green Bay Packers had to pass the ball. I think they at one point, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers had something like 10 pass plays, you know, that two series back to back, you know, right down the football field. So, you know, if your opponent is throwing the ball every snap and you're running it every snap, it's a good thing because you're winning a football game. Yeah, I mean, it, this game is tough when you look at it st- statistically as a whole. You have to yeah. break it down by halves. I mean, if you look at just the numbers and you didn't see the score, you would think that Packers, you know, might, might have won this game. Rodgers. 31 of 39, 326, two touchdowns, but the two picks obviously were big. But it, again, it was an extremely misbalanced effort from the Packers. It all came in the second half after the score was 27 yeah. nothing. Look at the first half stats. Uh, Packers on thir- third down, yeah. 0 for 4. Packers yardage 93 versus 225 for the 49ers. And of course, the score 27 to nothing. I mean, uh, I think there were probably a lot of 49ers fans who were booking flights to South Florida some, at some point in the second quarter there. And then they got a little bit nervous. Maybe just a little nah. bit there in the late third quarter. Well, I, I, I got a little <laughs> bit nervous. Uh, like I said, if the Niners don't convert nervous. that third down, then you're punting back to Aaron Rodgers, who's rolling, and he's only down 14. So that was a big play. When, when Kittle picked up that first down, that was a big play. Yeah, not, another big play was the, the drop fumble by, by Rodgers in the, in the Packers' center. I mean, they were, they were yeah. driving on that one, too. And, and Rodgers didn't make much of an effort to get after that ball. I think he realized that it was on the other side of the line of scrimmage pretty quick. But still... I mean, this is the uh, the NFC Championship game. Guys. And he threw an interception. I mean, he threw a bad that ball. That was a bad pick. And you don't mostly. see – I mean, you don't see that from Aaron Rodgers. So, I think he was kind of seeing ghost, I think, he a little was. bit. So, he was. I mean, definitely – I mean, they had him rattled. And, and I, for me, 
the big part of this game was Robbie Goal. I mean, this was an important yeah. part of the game. Yeah, seven we, we nothing. Need to, we need to point that out. Yeah, fifty-four yard field goal, I longest think in Forty ers postseason history. Yeah, and that was an opportunity. If he didn't make that, yeah, flip the field. Yeah, you know, and it was only a seven-point lead then. Then you go up by ten points. Robbie, and it Robbie bailed had out been, a Jimmy sack. Robbie had been zero for four from fifty or longer this season. I mean, that was you know what what he had the the most struggles with was long kicks when he was in his. Uh, in his rut there, um, and I think that 54-yarder just kind of shows that he's back. And you know, t- to what we were talking about earlier, this could end up being a, a bit of a shootout in Miami against the Chiefs. You need your field goal kicker to be on in this game. And Robbie Gold, as bad as he was to begin the season, is now on. Uh, he's missed exactly one kick in his last uh, six games, and that was the one that was blocked in uh, in Baltimore. And that may or may not have been his fault. I don't think anybody got a finger on the guy who ended up blocking it. So he, he's been back uh, to his uh, his usual form for basically the last two months. Yeah, which three is for huge. three tonight. For three tonight, for three. Right? And, and two of them were, you know, long kicks. The thing about this 49ers team is that they've shown the ability to play unbelievable complementary football. And I think talking about Robbie Gold is a great example of that. Sometimes the defense is going to slip a little bit. Sometimes the offense in certain phases is going to slip a little bit. And that's extra nail from special teams to hold everything together. It can make a huge difference. And then as we've seen in both 49ers-Packers games, things can snowball either against you or in your favor for the 49ers if you execute at those crucial junctures. And I think the 54-yard field goal was one of the crucial junctures that you don't get if if Robbie Gold doesn't make the franchise – long field goal in in playoff history there and and he did that so it was a team effort the 49ers ran the ball extremely well they played awesome defense in the first half the special teams was on point and hey they got enough passes from Jimmy Garoppolo they didn't need a lot but they got the ones they needed in the first half to eight. open the door for that run game eight is enough sometimes eight, eight, eight was exactly what they I see what no you did more, there I no see less. what you did there <laughs> <laughs> Dave's too oh, he's too young for eight is enough uh, I'm just old enough for it is enough, which took place in Sacramento, which is where I, I used to work. So that's probably what uh, reminded me of it. Oh, God. <laughs> Sacramento. Dick Sargent, Dick York. Dennis? You, lo- you lost me. <laughs> you lost me on that one. Sorry. I was trying hard, too. That's all going one, over my head. One of those guys. Um, all right, Dyke. guys, we're, we're at a half an hour. Is there anything else we didn't cover? We don't want to leave any stone unturned after the well, NFC I, well, Championship I think, game. I think, I think this is covered. we got two weeks now to cover a Super Bowl. A lot. Bowl, so yeah. yeah. be a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Yeah, my article today, I was already looking forward to Kansas City in, in, in my piece, and it's going to be a heck of a matchup. This is the matchup that the NFL gods yeah. want it, right? 49ers, Chiefs. Yeah, they were not looking forward to pack Packers Titans. I don't think uh, the the NFL. So this this is the matchup that Roger Goodell and the, and the big wigs wanted. They and, got it. And D Ford gets to go little. Yeah. Go play against his boys. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Very you much know. rooting for the Chiefs to win that earlier game today. Anyway, the 49ers are NFC champions. It you know if you consider the last decade or so, it doesn't even feel real just how we got from point A to point B. But here we are. We'll be headed to Miami for Super Bowl Live. There's a club in Miami. The most famous one is called Club Live, and it's Super Bowl L-I-V, which is what? 
I don't even know what number that is. 54? Live and let live. Yeah, 54. 54. Super Bowl 54, yeah. yeah. So Super Bowl 54, I just noticed Super Bowl live because I got a kick out of the the little name connection there. But anyway, Niners 37, Packers 20. 49ers are NFC champions. The Here's the Catch podcast will continue because this season's not over yet. For Dennis Brown, Matt Barrows, thank you to Tanika for producing, obviously. Uh, It's been a fun ride, and we are going to stay on it. This is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys next time.